Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Just being powerless, having no control over the process, not knowing how it was going to end, that uncertainty, um, the the agony of knowing that I would not sleep with my two-year-old every night going forward. That was just agony and nothing could make that sensation better. Um, And, you know, just, um, you know, fear of obviously, you know, financial, you know, you know, I mean, many of his tactics, he tried to pretend that prenup didn't exist, you know, try to, you know, basically want to take everything I had financially. So it was, it was terrifying. You know, I didn't in the end know how it was going to work out. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real-life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome back to another episode of Voices of Celebration. With me today, I have Marilyn, a former client of mine. Welcome, Marilyn. Thank you. Thank you so much for your willingness to come on and chat with our listeners. Uh, let's just dive in. I like to start with just a little context, how uh, you came to uh the the journey of divorce, how that came about for you. Okay. Um, so going back to about 2016, um, I had a very, I think a two-year-old child and was in a very, um, high conflict marriage. Um, and, you know, made the decision that 
it was time to move forward with the divorce process. Um, and it was, it was a very tough decision to make. I spent, you know, over a year and a half in therapy to get to that decision, but it was definitely the right decision. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, your first choice was to go through a non-court approach. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Because I think that would help our listeners as well. Sure. So, you know, I, I'm a very fortunate individual. I did have a prenuptial agreement. Um, so I started with the lawyer who drafted my prenuptial agreement, who is a collaborative lawyer. So she never goes to court. And we started the process. You know, the plan was to go through a mediator and never see, hopefully, the inside of a court building. But of course, um, not really understanding fully who I was dealing with, um, that process failed very quickly um, and had to move on to a litigating attorney and was actually... um, the collaborative lawyer recommended I also reach out to you and your uh, for help. And yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's so hard sometimes when you have someone who's not transparent and who's not yeah. flexible um, to yeah. do to do something outside of litigation. Yeah. And actually, I, I could tell your listeners, I mean, the moment of clarity for me was in the one meeting we had with the mediator, he told her, um, she asked him why he wanted to go to court. And he said, I feel comforted by the adversarial process of the court. And that for me was such an eye opener that he was enjoying the process. And I was suffering tremendously and barely able to function. And I really think for me, that was like the eye opener that this man wants to really hurt me in this process. Um, and and enjoy it. So it was a real moment of clarity for me. Yeah. You know, I remember interviewing, I don't remember which one it was, but I, during our high conflict uh, series, I interviewed someone who said in um, a disordered mind is more comfortable in chaos and conflict, whereas an ordered mind is more comfortable in, you know, uh, getting along and calm. And so that's interesting that that rings very true in this situation. Absolutely. Yeah. So so you had a high conflict marriage. Uh, you could have only been a couple of years into it. That Not that many if you had a two year old child. Uh, when you when you entered the litigation process, what were some of the uh, what were some of the fears and what, and or struggles that you faced? I mean, just I would say, first of all, terror about the entire court process, um, not really understanding how it worked. Um, you know, he was very. Um, charismatic. And, you know, I really thought that people were going to believe that he was, you know, this wonderful, charming, you know, father, and that I was this horrible person that he was painting me out to be. And I thought everybody would believe him because, um, and I remember he would say things to me that, although ultimately they weren't true in the moment, I believed them because I was in such a, I would say debilitated state, you know, when you make a decision to get a divorce, you're usually not in the best state of mind. You know, things have been 
bad for a while, you're really spiraling down. And then on top of that, to start the process with somebody that's just so adversarial um, was really terrifying. And I remember him just saying to me, I'm, you know, he said, I'm going to have dinner with my, my child every night, you know, watch, you know, like that's going to happen. And I remember just, you know, he said it so authoritatively that, you know, I, I believed him and I, I just, I knew that if he had dinner with his child every night that I wasn't going to. So I just remember I, 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 in that moment, I really believed the things he was saying to me, the threats, you know? Right. And, and I think so many people are going to relate to that because when, especially with, uh, with folks with personality disorders, they believe it so much because they, they have, they have such a limited perspective so they can only see their perspective. And so of course they're a hundred percent or a thousand percent sure. I had the same experience with my ex. And when you're open-minded, it's like, it's scary because you think, well, they're so certain. How could, maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. Right. Right. Right, absolutely. So, so one thing was that he was very charismatic, that he was going to present so well that people wouldn't see um, what was behind the curtain that you were dealing with on a regular basis. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was a big fear. Even my own family, I was even fearful that when I finally shared everything with my family and friends, that they wouldn't necessarily believe everything I had to tell them. Um, because I, I tried to hide it, you know, it's shameful and it's, um, it's unpleasant. So you don't want other people to know about it. Um, so yeah, I was worried that no one would believe me. Right. <laughs> Even though I was telling the truth the entire time, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So you had fears about the time you'd get with your son, the fears about, um, your, uh, soon to be ex, like uh, kind of getting over on the court and charismatically convincing them that you were the problem and he was the good parent. Uh, and any, anything else that, um, comes to mind in terms of your kind of greatest fears? No, I, I just, just being powerless, having no control over the process, not knowing how it was going to end that uncertainty, um, the, not, the agony of knowing that I would not sleep with my two-year-old every night going forward, that was just agony and nothing could make that sensation better. Um, and, you know, just, um, you know, fear of obviously, you know, financial, you know, you know, I mean, many of his tactics, he tried to pretend that prenup didn't exist, you know, he tried to, you know, basically want to take everything I had financially. So it was, it was terrifying. You know, I didn't in the end know how it was going to work, work out. So I was really the uncertainty of the whole thing was just terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And having to work, you know, having to, having to go to work every day and go through this process and function is just beyond challenging, you know? And I think so many, um, so many, uh, especially our female clients are, have a slightly different situation where, um, where their spouse is making most of the money. And yet I think it's really valuable to talk about you were the primary earner and you did come into the relationship with some nice finances. And so there was this different kind of fear because he was kind of basically saying he was going to empty you out and clear you out. Right. 
life. Right. He, yeah. It was just, ter- I mean, everything I, you know, worked for my entire life was just, yeah, I was, you know, um, including my home, everything, you know, and honestly, the sad thing is without a prenuptial agreement, he would have been entitled to a lot of the things that he asked for. Um, so if, I mean, that, that was one of my most valuable lessons was obviously that was a great investment and really at least the financial part of my divorce wasn't as devastating as it could have been. Um, so, um, So you, you have two cents to offer on that front for anyone listening. What do you want to say to them? Absolutely. That was the best financial investment I ever made. Um, you know, the prenup was the law, despite everything they tried to do to discredit this document, it was ultimately what, you know, ruled the case, at least financially. So I would encourage anybody with, any assets to really consider, you know, even, you know, I, I don't know. It was a smart decision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even so, even that you had it um, and your attorney was telling you it was rock solid, um, did his uh, belief otherwise uh, rattle you? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, he was so, yeah, they, you know, they was just, you know, motions to waste time to, you know, have, you know, he didn't pay his lawyer. So there was no, um, it was his friend. So there was no end point for them. They could go on forever. Whereas I was hemorrhaging money, but in the end, I, it was just the only way to get through this. I had to do it because, um, you know, I needed, needed to get to an end. So, um, yeah, there was no other way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, prenup, I, I would say prenup is something to really consider, and find a good reason not to get one. <laughs> right, right. And so let's shift a little bit to uh, he was difficult. You were you had a lot of fear around him. What did you What did you learn about what you brought to the table and your part? Like, what are the the areas where you found uh, an opportunity to grow and heal and change? Yeah. So I mean, a lot of that definitely came through work with the therapist and work with with you as well um, to really understand, you know, he he could only behave a certain way because I was the partner that allowed him to, you know, and I was groomed almost to be in this kind of relationship because of how I grew up. You know, this is the pattern I observed. And yeah, he it was I was, you know, unfortunately, this was a pattern in my life. And and finally recognizing it was the way to move forward and not do, you know, not repeat the situation, you know. Um, so I was, you know, I, when you have somebody that's so conflict heavy, you know, you wind up being very sometimes reactive, trying to control them, trying to get them to see the right way. And it's just it's just hopeless. You know, I, it's just such a waste of energy. Um, but in the, in the moment, you can't really see that. So and yeah, and it was just it was a ter- it was a terrible roller coaster. You know, there would be good moments. There would be terrible moments. Um, but it was it never was consistently good. You know, that was really right. Are you emotionally overwhelmed, 
heartbroken, bitter, paralyzed by fear? In order to effectively navigate the significant decisions before you and skillfully master your life after divorce, you must attend to your emotional recovery. Our 12-step divorce recovery program is an emotional roadmap that guides you to feel clearer, stronger, and more in charge of yourself. Thousands have emerged transformed by the lessons, strategies, and tools our roadmap provides. Divorce will change your life. Enroll in the 12-step divorce recovery program today and ensure that the changes will be life-enhancing. Go to divorcerecoveryprogram.com to enroll. that your family of origin, um, the saying I like to use is like, we don't lick it off the grass, right? It comes from someplace, our behavior. And so with all of our clients, when we look at our family of origin, we can kind of connect some dots. And if I remember correctly, because of your family of origin, um, boundaries, which is such a really important, uh, tool and skill to have were were missing both in your childhood growing up between your mom and your dad. Can you talk a little bit about that and then what how it how it um, manifested before you learn them and afterwards in your uh, in your during your divorce? Sure. So um, the boundaries, you know, it's I think for me, boundaries meant not really having my voice reflect what I really wanted. So I would say yes, when I didn't want to say yes. Um, and I, you know, I allowed people to put me in situations that made me very uncomfortable. I tolerated things that I shouldn't have tolerated. Um, because that's how I survived, you know, my childhood. Um, you know, there were no boundaries in my family. So, um, the first, you know, once you realize that, you know, it's, you don't just fix what's happening in your current marriage or, or, you know, future divorce. You're, you're also fixing your relationships from your past. You know, when you start setting boundaries in one area, you have to start setting them in all, including, including in many areas in my job, other areas as well, where I feel like maybe I was a little bit exploited just because I was this conflict avoidant person that just wanted to make everybody happy. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just not a great way to live your life. So. Right. right. And as you began to be, um, more skilled and comfortable in kind of articulating where your line in the sand was and even being able to uphold it. Uh, I remember you sharing that there were some shifts at work that you only, that you became this almost go-to person, um, with people who are struggling with some of the more difficult personalities? Yeah, it's true. It's funny. I, it, within my line of work, I do <clears throat> deal with a lot of high conflict personalities. And interestingly, learning to deal with, you know, my ex-husband and others helped me in my job, you know, I, and I was able to, 
identify the behaviors. They were crossing a boundary with me. I was reacting. I could feel myself reacting. And I knew to walk away, take a pause. And and also the people that I work with um, that I sometimes have to supervise, I was able to see them getting triggered, them having these reactions. And basically, you know, at least we could talk about what was happening in the moment, why we were feeling the way we were feeling and learn to navigate it together a little bit you know, in a calmer, more tactical way. So it, it was, yeah, it's amazing. It just, it's, you, you don't realize when you're emotional, you're out of control. Right. Um, so, and that's, you know, you don't want to be in that position, you know, professionally or personally, it's, it's not a good thing. Right. Right. And the ripple effect of doing that personal work yourself. And then like, that's amazing that you were able to then bring it into your work environment and support other people and taking pauses and talking things out and not taking things so personally, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Being, being able to laugh, you know, in, in those moments too, like find the humor. It's, it's just, instead of taking things personally, being really, um, you know, damaged by the situation, bringing it home, thinking about, it's just to be, being able to leave it and walk away from it and move forward is just, you know, yeah. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah. What else uh, comes to mind for you in terms of the um, main areas where you saw growth, even if it's a, a ripple effect with your family of origin or work or something else? So I think I think I didn't realize I was not great at communicating what I wanted very effectively. Um, I think, you know, I remember discussing with you one of the things we worked on was what do I really want? What does my custody agreement look like to me? And I remember I was just trying to be fair. And and you were pointing that out to me. You don't need to be you need to do what's good for you and your child and being able to really think about that and then communicate it was just a big leap for me. Um, again, because I always wanted to do the right thing and please people and be fair. And just, this is not the situation where that's useful. You know, you want to advocate for your child and for yourself. So I remember working on that with you and that was really helpful. I, and I didn't have anyone else that was going through a divorce at the time. You know, it's really hard, um, outsiders don't really understand. Maybe they think it's appropriate, you know, like you spend 50% of the time with your mom or your dad and they just, they don't understand your situation. So no one else should have a say. So it, but it's really finding that voice that that's, that's really what I want. And that's, that's what I'm going to advocate for. I, you have to become tactical. I remember instead of waiting for the, the attacks and defending myself, I had to learn to be tactical and I had to learn to be a little bit offensive and take control um, just to get what I wanted. So, uh, you know, it just, I had, I had to become a, a different kind of person and one that maybe I wouldn't have aspired to in the past, but it was the right thing to do in the situation. Right. Um, and also just, you know, over time, you know, you just help me understand that he will always be that person that will always present that way that, you know, to expect anything less than that is just going to be an emotional roller coaster. So just expect that person will always be that person, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And then the gratitude you taught me about, I, I, we discussed this, like what, what are the things I'm going to learn and, you know, use in my life, you know, what, what gifts will I get through this process? And in real time, obviously going through it, it was, I couldn't, I would never have believed that there would be gratitude. Mm. Um, but years later, I can tell you that that divorce was the thing that helped me really change things about me that I did not like, you know? Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. It's like, we don't know, we come from a family of origin, we go out and we kind of keep repeating patterns that we grew up with. And it's not until we hit that wall and we really take a look. And that's what I hear you saying. That it's like, oh, okay. Like not having a voice. I mean, you, you just said it so beautifully in 12 step programs, they say, um, uh, the coping mechanisms we create as children, which we kind of intuitively know just to stay safe, uh, we bring into adult relationships, but that's the unhealthy thing that we're bringing into the adult relationships. Right. And it's it's the hitting the wall and growing through it that makes such a big difference. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, it, I have to tell you, it was the worst. I mean, it was for me worse than the pandemic and what I've experienced in the pandemic my divorce was by far the hardest personal thing I've ever gone through. Um, I, I just, it was a physical, emotional, psychological pain that was relentless. I do feel for everybody going through it with a high conflict person. It's a terrible situation. And then to add to that, somebody that will only make it worse. Um, it's just, um, it's really unbearable. I mean, but the other side of it is you have relieved yourself of that trauma, drama, you know, you're, it's going to be very limited in your life. It's still going to be there because especially if there's a child, um, but it's so much better. It's yeah, it's really. Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time. Let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time. Book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking, being, and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce. Our gift to you is taking that first step with you on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. Well, can you talk a little bit about that? So you've been divorced and co-parenting for a number of years now. 
And so, so here you learned all of this going through it and I'm hearing you found your voice and you began to set boundaries and uh, you became much less afraid of him and realized that the rest of the world isn't drinking his Kool-Aid necessarily. How did all of that, like how, because I think people listening in are like, oh my God, not only divorce, but then I have a nightmare of like the rest of my life co-parenting. Can you share a little bit of your experience there? Sure. Um, So, you know, one thing I'll say when you have someone that's threatening to take your child away from you, that, you know, is so traumatic that when you come out of that, I feel like I became a fearless person because Mm -hmm. that was the most terrifying thing ever is that thought. And it didn't happen. So it made me really I, I am almost a fearless person now. So in that respect, going into co-parenting, I had a different perspective because I was like, okay, what are you going to, you know, you know, you're going to throw something at me, but I I can deal with it now. So I definitely, we talked about it also in our coaching sessions. I try and really be unemotional in my communication. I try and use a lot of documentation, um, emails, texting, because texting has saved my co-parenting because things are twisted and manipulated, but when I can screenshot a conversation we had, and this is what we agreed to, you know, there's much less debate now. So I continued that documentation process through my co-parenting. It's really, I think the only way to go. I have a very detailed divorce settlement. That is, if you have a high conflict person, the more detail in that document, the, the less conflict there will be. I don't want to negotiate with somebody that's, for me, almost behaves like a terrorist. I don't want to negotiate with somebody like that on an ongoing basis. So again, a very explicit settlement will help you. Um, so are you talking about like the 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 um, shared parenting time and the decision-making in terms of being very explicit? And can you even very, maybe share one or two examples of how that helped you? So, for instance, um, for the weekends, I, you know, my lawyer warned me that people like my ex-husband tend to fight for a lot of time. But then when they're actually given the time, don't use it. So, you know, I work full time. I I was a little bit afraid of, you know, he was going to make my life, you know, hell. So I decided that we wanted something in the document that if he gave up his weekend parenting time, that I did not have to shift my weekends, you know? So, so basically if he misses a weekend, I have my child three weekends in a row. That is your loss, but I'm not gonna negotiate every weekend to schedule. And it really, I'm t- it's, it's, it's happened many times where he hasn't been present during his parenting time, but the fact that I don't owe him and have to negotiate with him saves me a lot of grief. So that was one example. Um, and I'm trying to think of others. You know, one thing I made, I did make a mistake on. He offered me some um, decision making, uh, like medical decision making. You know, he told me I could be the primary, you know, the decision maker. And I basically was foolish to say, um, no, you know, we can do this together. So that was one mistake I made because it came, you know, my son wound up having multiple developmental disorders and it it was an issue because we were not on the same page. So I, you know, even even as strategic as I was, I missed an opportunity that he offered to me. So I would say if that person offers you anything, even if you think it's unfair or unnecessary, just take it right. because you never know. 
you know, how the future is going to play out. Um, yeah. So everything's very explicit. That that's that's just and I go I go back to the agreement all the time. I have to with him because, you know, the the story changes, you know, the rules change, you know, okay. even our taxes, you know, who's going to claim our child as a deduction? You know, it's one thing's written in the document and his interpretation is completely different. And so I go always go, and I take screenshots, <laughs> I, you know, because he doesn't even bother to look in the document. Right. And I do. But I always win because I have that document. (laughs) So keeping your um, divorce settlement close at hand, spending the extra time and money to put all of the to cross your T's, dot your I's, put everything in so that have you had to go back to court a bunch of times? No, not at all. I think that's such an important piece there, because I know for all of us, you get to the end of it and it's like, oh, geez, I just want this over with. It's a marathon. I'm exhausted. And that's the point where it's really important to make sure you have everything in there so that you don't go back to court over and over again. Over and over again. It's true. And yeah, I I was honestly terrified of that. I thought I would be in court all the time. I remember Um, that. So and, and also over time, I understood that the court wasn't such a scary place and that you know, especially when my son's lawyer became involved, that actually was very helpful because that was a more neutral party and was really trying to advocate for the end of this process, you know. Um, so actually the court overall was helpful because right. it did bring us to a resolution. But yeah. can you share just a little bit like what what was your experience uh, having a child who had their own attorney? And a lot of people are very afraid of that, afraid of forensics, afraid of attorneys for the children. Yeah. So um, my child's attorney um, basically because my child was so young, I think she she met with him once and then didn't just ask him. I wasn't in the room, but just, you know, basic, I think basic questions, you know, who his family was, you know, what his house looked like, things like that. And then I don't think she saw him again, um, ever actually just that initial meeting, but she would show up to the court appearances with the lawyers. And she was present at the end when we had our settlement meeting. Mm. Um, So she, you know, I felt like she actually, without her, I don't know that the process would have ended as soon as it did because she was really frustrated that my ex-husband's attorney and my ex-husband refused to come to the table to to discuss anything. And so she was the one that really said, this is unreasonable and you have to come to this, you know, like she really pushed that agenda. Nice. So it was for me, it was really what ended this process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important. I just want to say if 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 you were still super reactive, she wouldn't be able to see what was really going on. That's why it's so important to do this work so that because it's usually the frustrated person who's divorcing the high conflict person that shows up a little bit like a lunatic. We're frothing at the mouth. We're angry or rageful. We're reactive. And, and then, and then it's, there's, it's not so clear who the, you know, who's the more difficult or challenging parent. It's true. You know what I had to learn. The good thing is when you start a divorce process, I think for, at least for me and maybe for others, you're in just such a deep emotional state that you are not in a position to go to a settlement meeting and to negotiate. 
you have to get stronger, build yourself up. It took us a couple of years. And by the time, you know, that settlement meeting rolled around, I was able to be silent and just let my lawyer do the work and just let, you know, even through the process, let my ex-husband show everybody who he was, which he did. You know, he disappeared on a trip to Italy for three weeks and missed a court date and was begging the court for support because he had no money, yet he went on a three-week vacation. So, you know, that I didn't have to say a word. That was very evident to everyone that there's something wrong here. Um, but yeah, learning to be quiet, not like you said, not be reactive and let the behavior of the other party speak for itself. Yeah. I think I made the mistake of wanting, I think, some justice in this process for what I endured what kind of person he is, how he fooled everybody. And that's not going to come through your divorce proceeding. That will come through you living your best life. And they're going to go on to live their miserable existence and you don't have to be part of it, you know? Yeah, very well said. So I want to just ask again about the um, the co-parenting part, because a lot of times when you're working with a high conflict parent, at some point, the child is also dealing with this high conflict parent, but we don't always know what's going on in that household. And your son was really rather young, even when it all wrapped up. So um, anything that you could um, highlight or talk about on that front? Um, you know, as young as he was, he was able to articulate to me. And I remember it very clearly that he didn't like being alone with his dad for long periods of time, as young as he was. So we talked about it. I, I allowed him to come home early if he wanted to. It was always one way. He always wanted to come home early and be with me. So I, I did allow it because I felt like something was not safe for him. Um, and it's gotten, I think it's gotten a little bit better for him. He stays with his dad longer, but it is tough. You know, I. I feel like our job is, you know, we can't control what happens in that household, but I can teach my son to advocate for himself. Mm -hmm. If something is wrong, ask to speak to me. I've tried to advocate for him with his dad when I think something he's doing is inappropriate. Um, but yeah, it, it is tough because you have no control over what goes on. One thing I will say is that he's very appreciative when he comes home. <laughs> and I don't think a uh, such, you know, I have a very young child. I don't know that parents with such young children get that kind of appreciation, you know, um, but I had it very early. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And that's a beautiful silver lining. Yeah, he understood something was different and he could and, and he could he could uh, tell me that. And it was, and it wasn't, it wasn't about winning. You know, it's not about, I want, I want things to be great when his, we, when he's with his dad, I want him to have a great experience, but I also want him, if he feels like something is wrong to be able to identify it, talk about it and advocate for himself. And that, and it made me happy that he could see something was not right, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, because what we grow up is, as you, you know, you know, is what we then um, navigate to. And so that clarity at a young age and your ability to be there and support him um, is going to be really helpful when he grows up. And I think you and I have talked about this when we were coaching together, the breaking of generational chains and the and the just the wounds that 
perhaps our parents and our grandparents brought to their parenting and how we have an opportunity to do it differently and to raise more conscious and emotionally aware children. Oh, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, I, I could not be the parent, you know, with all his disorders, <laughs> you know, he has a lot of develop, develop, developmental issues, but I could not be this parent that can help and support him had I not gone through my divorce and really worked on myself, you know, to really not be so reactive and to really, so I, it really was a gift for, for me and for him, you know, ultimately. Yeah. Which is kind of wild thing. I think that's why I do this series more than anything, because the people listening are just deciding, should I stay or should I go? And it's like your divorce was a gift after everything you just said. Yeah, it's true. Actually, another thing I'll bring up, I had a two-year-old at the beginning of the process. It was, you know, nobody was divorcing with a child that young. I, I was tormented by that. I had, you know, had some comments from other people, uh, you know, about staying together for the sake of the children. And it's, you know, it's, I, I actually think it was a gift to him that I did it when he was so young. He has no memory of us together, no memory of us fighting. And, you know, I, I just feel like I gave him, I can, I can only give him a healthy ho household when he's with me. Mm. And that's it. Versus giving him many years of an unhealthy house, household with two parents. Right. So I, it was at the time, it seemed I felt like a horrible person, a terrible parent. I just remember with a child so young who does something like this. But I can honestly say I did the best thing I could for my child. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So, gosh, you've shared so much before we wrap up. Um, any words of wisdom, any other encouragement that you want to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? Um, yeah, I think get help. Um, I was not before my divorce was not a person that, you know, went for help for you know, any kind of help. Um, it's more than just your family and friends. You need, you know, people that are professionals that understand your situation. I think, you know, uh, therapy, coaching, having a great lawyer. Those are all, I think, things that you need to move through this process less traumatically and grow. And, you know, it does get better, even though it seems like it's never going to end. I feel like take the opportunity to learn. You know, m most of the people listening are going to have high conflict situations and you can't imagine how how wonderful life can be when you eliminate that from your life, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, it is I, it is a gift. Like I, I am very, very appreciative of my divorce. It's just, it's not something that I would have pictured myself saying four or five years ago, but it is really, a, it was a wonderful thing for me. And I've even said it, um, you know, I've said it even to my son's therapist, you know, my son has a therapist for his disorders. You know, it's just, it's, it's was like anyone that wants to, to judge, you know, me for what I did. I, I really feel like it was the best thing for my child ever. Beautiful. I, actually, I have one more question for you. Um, as someone who was going to both therapy and coaching, could you just share with uh, our listeners um, the difference you found in those two supports? Uh, sure. So coaching, uh, so therapy was great. Um, you know, help me understand 
maybe the patterns of behavior and that I was experiencing both with my ex-spouse and my family of origin um, and really identify everything and give it a name and understand, you know, it's not going to get better. I think coaching is what really helped me just go through the divorce process, understanding um, what the process means, what are the steps, you know, how to advocate for myself. It's a, it's a much more active process. You, you, you know, gave me a lot of material to read resources. Um, it, it was just, and I remember there were moments when I needed to take certain steps and you were, you know, you were there, you know, helping me take these very aggressive steps that I needed to take to get to the other side. Um, and I, I didn't really have that in therapy because I don't think my therapist was very familiar with the divorce process. I think that was the issue. Mm. So you are, I think coaching, especially divorce, is, divorce coaching is very specific to this process, which is, I think, unlike any, I could tell you it's unlike anything I've ever been through. So I just, I feel like if you haven't gone through it, don't understand it very well. I just don't think you can really advise people. You know, you can say a lot of things that sound great, but aren't helpful, you know. And I remember just even simple things like, you know, these ideas that we have about, um, you know, trying to have birthday parties and holidays together with our ex-spouses. And I just remember discussing and coaching that that's just not a reality for most people. And just knowing that it wasn't just just gave me such peace of mind that I don't have to work towards a skull, which I know would never work anyway. So like you, you validated a lot of things specific to the divorce process. Beautiful. So, yeah. So thank you again. I mean, I've, you know, I sing your praises. It was a gift having met you also. That was one of the gifts through this process. Well, thank you so much um, for coming on, for sharing your story with our listeners. I know so many people are going to be encouraged by it. And um, and so thank you for your time. And it's great seeing you. It's great hearing what a, what a gift it turned out to be for you in the end, which is my desire for everyone that we work with is that they see the growth and the transformation as um, like a, a new beginning. So thanks for sharing that. Thank you. We will be back again real soon with another episode of Voices of Celebration. Until then, take care. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. 
Amiga. Empathy is our best policy.